we're jumping in a new series on this very thing of just, you know, there are so many times in our lives I think we, we want to believe and, and we want to see God move. And then there are times where we don't feel it. We don't sense it. We don't see it. And maybe, maybe that's for your life personally. Maybe that conversation like you saw in the video that many of you had the same conversations with people. I want to believe, but. And, and then we have all these why questions, right? Well, why does this happen? Why, why is this going on in my life? Why, why didn't God uh, work the, the way he should have worked or I felt like he should have worked? We have all these, all these why questions. And it's, you know, here's the thing I want us to do. I don't want us to avoid those questions. I want, I want to tackle these questions over the next six weeks and look at these why questions. And, and can we find um, answers uh, in the word of God? Now, I don't know about you as parents, but when, you know, when my kids were younger, they still ask a lot of questions as they get older as teenagers. How many of you as a parent, you just get, you, you got a lot of why questions from your kids, right? And I love, I love the why questions from kids. Like, you know, they ask questions like, you know, just questions like this would just, you're just sitting there. All of a sudden this question come up, daddy, why do zebras have stripes? I'm like, I don't know. Right. Just, I, you know, and you know, my go-to answer now is just Google it. Right. That's so I love Google. You just, you could just say, well, just Google it. Or, or this question, I have a little kid asked this question. Goes, why do they call little candy bars fun size? Right. Wouldn't it be, wouldn't the bigger ones be the fun size ones? Right. Um, you know, it, you know, if here's a question from a kid, I love this one. If, if man evolved from monkeys, why do we still have monkeys? <laughs> That's a good question. So these are why questions, you know. And so, you know, all of us battle, especially in our walk with God, or as we seek the Lord, we battle with with these why questions. And if we are honest with ourselves this morning. Um, we do often wonder why things happen the way they do. And, and, and the question that, that I, I want to tackle today is, how come I don't feel God at times? How, how come there are times where I just don't feel the Lord? I see other people, and it seems like they get it, and they feel the Lord at, at times in the presence of God. But how come, how come I, don't, I don't feel it? And so um, I want to tackle that question today about, about how do we know when God is speaking to us. How, how can I feel the Lord in my life and know that he's, he's doing that? Because, you know, I come to church and, and, and maybe, maybe you feel this way. I, I hear other people and, you know, they may read the Bible and, and they get so much out of it, but how come when I read it, I struggle? Um, I must not, you know, and the question then we say is, well, I must not be as spiritual as other people. And, and maybe God only speaks to a, a certain few and he doesn't speak to me. Why isn't God speaking to me. Why don't I get the same thing out of the Bible as other people do? And, and for those of you that, that feel that way, I want you to know that you are not alone. And in fact, the Bible speaks to these very things that even great men and women of God that we see in the word of God, they struggled at times with feeling and sensing God's presence in their life. I believe one of the greatest writers of the 20th century was C.S. Lewis. He wrote wonderful books like Mere Christianity, um, the series, The Chronicles of Narnia. And he wrote this really wonderful book. And it, it was an experience of his life after he lost his wife. And these writings were called A Grief Observed. And there was something that I read 
uh, from, from this series that just gripped my heart about C.S. Lewis. This, this man was just a prolific writer, and, and I love his books. Um, but, but he was really heartbroken. He was searching for God after uh, the death of his wife. And this is what he wrote. And I think some of you may, you might feel this way at times. And this is what he wrote in Grief Observed. He says, and, and, and this may be the struggle that some of you are feeling. Some, maybe you're feeling this way right now. And he says this, but go to him, go to God. And, and when you're in need, when your need is truly desperate, when all other help is vain, and what do you find when you get to the point in your life? At that point of his life, he said, I found a door slammed in my face, the sound of bolting and double bolting on the inside. And after that, silence. And you may as well turn away. And the longer you wait, the more emphatic the silent will become. He says, and there are no lights in the windows. And it might be an empty house. And was it ever inhabited? And he says, it seems so at once. But what can this mean? And this is what he said. And I know some of you may feel this way at times. Or maybe you're feeling that way right now. He goes, why is God such a present commander in our times of prosperity and so very absent in the time that we need him the most. Now, he's just being raw there. He's being raw with his feelings. Why is it that there are times when, when we're going through prosperity, we feel the Lord and we feel this, the good times, but then when we go through these times of, uh, of need and we go through these times of trouble, we just don't feel or sense that he is there. Now, these are raw and honest emotions that C.S. Lewis worked through. And that's what I want to do today. I want to work through these raw emotions. And, 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 I, and, and I know, because I hear this a lot, and I know from speaking to many of you, you experience, experience this at one time or another. And what I want to do is, before we, we just jump into this, how do we experience God, even in times of silence or times of trouble, that we go through. What I want to jump into first is, is maybe look at some of the reasons why we don't sense God's presence and maybe, maybe dismantle some of the myths about God's presence. And I, and I hope this helps some of you here today. Let, let, me, let me just give you a couple of things here uh, that maybe can help you. And here are a couple of questions that we can ask ourselves. Maybe you're going through this time where you don't feel God's presence, or there are many times that you go there. I'm like, it's like a Roller coaster rather. Sometimes I feel, sometimes I don't. But let's get a couple of things here. First of all, let me just ask you this question. Maybe ask yourself this question. Are we looking for the sensationalistic or sensationalism in everything? Now, what do I mean by that? Do I need to get a certain feeling every time? Um, do, do, if I don't get this certain feeling, then it must not be God. And this is where we need to be very careful that we don't spiritualize everything. And, and, and this is what can happen. We can say things like this, you know, um, um, I was praying and I saw two birds and, and, and they were bluebirds. And my name begins with B and my favorite color is blue and I have two children. So this must be God, right? And, and we start looking for these signs and everything like, is that God? Is that God? Is that God? I saw this thing, this cloud formation that was in the sky looked like this. Is that, is that God? Is he speaking to me through this sign? Let's be careful here, not to always sensationalize everything. I, I, I want us to look at a certain passenger because Jesus dealt with this very thing with some people that were, were following him. And, and this, 
This, this encounter that Jesus had with many people comes on the heels of Jesus feeding the 5,000. Now, it's just not just 5,000. It's probably close to more like 20,000 people. It has this miracle, feeds all these people. And now he's starting to get these huge crowds. People are starting to follow Jesus. And, and they're wanting more because they see this great sign, this great miracle that happens. And now they're wanting to see more. So now they're following him. Jesus is becoming very popular in and uh, John chapter 6 is, is a very exciting chapter and a very sad chapter at the same time. Because we see Jesus doing these great miracles, but we also see people following Jesus for the wrong reason. And so Jesus says something here in John chapter 6 and verse 29 and 30. And he's answering the crowd because they're, they're wanting to see more signs. And he speaks to their heart. And, and I hope this speaks to you here today that either you're trying to look for God in, in all the signs or that you feel like, well, God never speaks to me. Listen to what Jesus says here because I think it's so important. Jesus answers them and he says this, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. The work of God is this, to believe in the one that he has sent. Now, that wasn't enough for them. It wasn't enough for them just to believe in the one that God sent. It wasn't enough for, for them just to, to want Christ. Because this is the thing that Jesus knew that was more important than any sign he performed. Listen, if you don't get anything else out of this message, get this. Are you ready? The most important thing that Jesus could ever give you is not a sign. The most important thing Jesus will ever give you is, him, is himself. Man, that should have gotten Amen. The best thing he will get, he wanted to give them himself, but they overlooked Jesus to the signs. They liked what he was giving them, but all, all the meanwhile, Jesus is walking with them. He wanted to give them himself. That's the most important thing you will ever receive in your life through your hardships, through your struggles, what Jesus wants. And because here's, here's what's going to happen in your life, I guarantee it. There's going to be some answer prayer, but there's going to be some that aren't answered. And you're going to struggle. And you're going to say, where is God? And all the time Jesus is saying, listen, listen. I know you're waiting, but the best thing I'm going to give you during this time is myself. Seek my presence and know who I am and I will be with you. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. Nothing's going to separate you from my love. I want to give you myself. So then, so then, he asks, so, so then they ask him this. What sign then will you give us that we may see it and believe in you? What will you do? Prove it to us. So what Jesus says is, listen, you're chasing because you like the sensationalistic. Um, you, you want me to wow you. And so Jesus answers them. He says, listen, I, I'm going to tell you, it's the work of God is this. It's not the miraculous. It's those that simply believe and trust in me. You see, they wanted Jesus to perform a sign so that they would believe. They wanted Jesus to wow them. Give us something sensationalistic so we can believe. And yes, I believe that God is a miracle working God. And Jesus did many miracles. But if you look later on in Jesus' ministry, he did less and less miracles. And his teaching became harder and harder. In fact, if you look at uh, the latter half of John chapter 6. John chapter 6 
verse, verses 66 is very disheartening because when Jesus' sayings got very hard, many of those that were following him left him because his teachings got so hard. Because he wasn't giving them the sensationalistic. He was giving them the himself. And for many people, that wasn't enough. And so, yes, I believe God's a miracle-working God, but yet our faith in Christ is what lasts. And, and so everyone has this... You've got to realize that everyone has a different experience with God. And for some of you, it might be very miraculous, but for some of you, it may have been over time. In fact, C.S. Lewis describes his conversion as literally kicking and screaming into the kingdom of God. He didn't want to believe. But the evidence was so overwhelming. He was like, I've got to believe. This is true. And some of you, you had a miraculous conversion. For some of you, it was over time where it was just like, man, the Lord and the Holy Spirit kept working on your life, working on your life until you came to that save, saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. You see, understand this, that what saves you is not your experience. It's your faith in Christ. What, what saves you is not, is not looking for the wow and looking, man, did, did I have the right feeling? So I can know Jesus. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for this certain feeling to come over me. Then I'll know that I'll come to Jesus. No, what Jesus is saying here, it's your faith in me that changes your life. Put your trust in me, not waiting for some experience or some miracle to come your way. You see, our experiences are all going to be different. But the one common factor is that we all come to Christ by faith through his wonderful grace. That's the one thing we all experience the same, is that the way we come to Christ and the way that we're saved is by God's amazing grace through our faith in Christ Jesus. All our experiences are going to be different. And some of you may be here today and you may say, man, you know, my, uh, my testimony in Christ is pretty boring, right? I, I wish I had this really dynamic experience with God so I could share it with everybody. Listen to me. How you came to Christ relates to somebody. It will relate to somebody. And so what you have to realize is your faith in Christ is what's changed your life by God's amazing grace. And some of you have unique testimonies of, of a life that, that was just way out there and, and God dramatically saved you and healed you and those are wonderful. Some of you, you're just, you just came with a realization. You're like, man, I'm a sinner that needs God's grace. And that's kind of the way I felt as a teenager because when I would hear testimonies, I would hear these wonderful testimonies of people that came to Christ that, that had huge addictions and so on and so forth. And that's wonderful. And I was like, wow. And this is the way I used to think as a 15-year-old. Good for them, right? They need it, but I'm okay. Because I'm not struggling with those things, right? But all of a sudden, when I began to hear testimonies of people who didn't struggle with those things that said, you know what, I'm a sinner. I'm like, they're a sinner? They haven't done anything wrong. And all of a sudden, my heart started to feel convicted, like, wait a minute. Maybe there is something that's amiss with me. And as I began to look closer and closer at the person of Jesus Christ, the further and further I knew I was away from him. And the more and more I knew I needed him. And God revealed to me, Barden, you've fallen short of my perfection and my grace, and there's no way in your strength that you could ever approach me without my son, Jesus. And that's when I realized I needed a savior. I needed to be rescued. Right? We all need to be rescued. Maybe some of you were rescued out of harsh addictions. 
But maybe some of you were rescued out of your own self-righteousness, thinking that you were good. That's who I was. I was that self-righteous person that thought he had it all together, and I didn't. I didn't. And it was so weird because God works through so many different ways to speak to our heart, doesn't he? It's amazing how he'll do that if we're just listening. And for me, it was through this song that my youth pastor wrote himself, and it was just a song about God calling you and that you think your life is okay. And part of the words of the song is you're playing Mr. Cool. I go, how does this youth pastor know me? It wasn't the youth pastor that knew me. It was God that knew me. And the song just ziplined to my heart. Bang! It just hit me. Like I'm like, who? What is this? And God just spoke right to my heart. And that he's barred. And that's you. That's your life. You need to be rescued. Every single one of us need a savior. And the only savior is Jesus Christ. So let's not look for all these. Don't don't compare your experience with somebody else or look for the same experience that someone else. Everyone is different. But the common denominator is who we trust. The common denominator is our faith in Christ saved by his grace. And so maybe you're looking for that sensationalistic thing. God says, don't look for that. Look for Jesus. The second thing that maybe has happened that maybe you're not sensing or feeling God is that maybe your heart's become calloused. Maybe you prayed for something and it didn't work out. Maybe someone close to you hurt you. Maybe this person was a, a Christian, so your heart became a little harder. Maybe, maybe your thinking is, man, people that are in the world are nicer to me than, than people that are in the church. And then your heart becomes a little harder and a little more calloused. And then bitterness begins to set in. And when that begins to happen, we tend to pull away from God. Maybe you're bitter at God because um, something didn't work out in your past and you prayed for it and didn't work out. And you're like, why didn't this situation work out? So I don't believe in God. I don't, I'm not going to trust him because these things didn't work out for me. Maybe you talk to people that are in that same kind of boat. And so your heart became calloused. There's an interesting passage in the book of Hebrews that there's a warning uh, to, to, to not become callous to the calling of God and to listen to God in your heart. And the Hebrew writer writes this in chapter 12. He says, listen, Work at living in peace with everyone and, and work at living holy lives. For those, for, for those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Look after each other so that none of you falls to receive, fails to receive God's grace, the grace of God. And, but this is what I like about this passage. It says, watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, not only you, but corrupting many. And what begins to happen when our heart becomes hardened, to God's voice and him speaking to us because of hurt or pain, what begins to happen is our hearts become poisoned. Our souls become poisoned to hearing God's voice speaking to us. And what we will end up doing is drinking our own poison. And so that stops us from hearing from God, hearing his voice. And then what begins to happen is we tend to use that hurt and that pain from our past to justify our behavior, to justify the way we act, to justify the way we feel. And the word of God says, no, that's poison. That's a root of bitterness that's keeping you from hearing my voice. And so what we do is we get mad at the church. We get mad at a person. We get mad at a pastor. We get mad at a Christian friend. We get mad at all these people. But meanwhile, we're only drinking the poison that's, that's poisoning ourselves and our own spirit that keeps us from hearing God. And so maybe, maybe, maybe that's you. 
Maybe that's something that you've gone through in your own heart and this bitterness is set in. And so God says, listen, you need to ask for forgiveness. And so this is where disobedience sets in. And when God tells me to forgive and I don't forgive and I don't listen, my heart becomes callous to the word of God. Maybe you're saying, Pastor, you know, um, I'm not looking for sensationalistic stuff. Or maybe you're saying, my heart's not hardened. And maybe you're just here and you're like, you know, I'm looking at these reasons, but man, they're not clicking in my heart, Pastor. Um, maybe you're here and you're just like, you know what? I, I, there are times where I just don't feel God in, in my heart. I'm reading, I'm praying. Um, why don't I sense God moving in my heart? And this is a passage that I want to dig into today because this is a psalm written by David. And we know through scripture that David was a man after God's own heart. David made tons of mistakes. But the reason why God was known, uh, the reason why David was known as a man after God's own heart is, is he kept coming back to the Lord. He repented. There was this relationship that David developed with the Lord. And, and, and David, many of the Psalms are written by David. And, and you see the heartbeat of David. You see um, the rawness of David's heart in his life and what he went through. And there, in David's life, it's interesting because here David gets anointed as the king of Israel at a very young age, and, and we see his, his defeat of Goliath, this giant uh, of the Philistines, and we see these great victories in David's life, but we see great victories and we see also great defeats. In fact, I did a real in-depth study in my own personal time in Second in Samuel, the life of David, and it's, when you read it, it's just disheartening. That they went through his own son Absalom wanted to take over his kingdom and kill him. I mean, it's just you see the train wreck of many of his kids, and and here David. Well, we hear all the good things, but David also had this yo-yo of of a Christian life where he had very high victories and very low times. And what you will see in many of the Psalms is you see David calling out to God in many of these low times. And what's interesting about David is he gets anointed as king and then, and then Saul is, is, is still king and, and he's jealous of David and wants to kill David. And so here David is anointed king by Samuel, but yet, yet his, his life is on the line and David has to run. He's hiding in caves and so on and so forth. And so many of these Psalms come out of these experiences of David, of these low times in his life. And I can just imagine what David was saying. Wait a minute, you anointed me as king. Where's my palace? Right? I thought this was going to be easy. Why am I running? Why am I hiding? Where are you, God, right? Have you ever felt that where you're like, God, I'm praying. I'm reading my Bible every day. Why are things getting worse? Have you ever felt that way? Is anybody here this morning? Can I just get an amen? Help me out. Okay. Couldn't, I was going to start preaching to the wall here because I'm a little nervous. Okay, good. You're here with me. Thank God. You're all with me. Um, I, if it's just for me, the sermon's just for me today, then it's just for me. That's all right. Oh, I'm just teasing you. I'm just teasing you. But that's what happens. So many times we think, wait a minute, I'm doing all these things, and why is my life getting worse? Some people even say, after I became a Christian, my life got worse. Things, things, things got worse. Now, we've got to define what that means. Because I think sometimes we get this idea that if I become a follower of Jesus Christ, lollipops and cotton candy will follow me all the rest of the days of my life. First Barden chapter one, right? Okay, so we know that, listen, that's not the reality. All right, okay? 
That's not always good. Does God bless us? I believe he does. I believe he does. But the Bible is also truthful when it says we will go through times of trial and tribulation. And so what does David do? I believe, I'm, I'm, I'm praying for you right now that Psalms 13 will help you. For some of you that are just struggling with this and struggling with your walk and wondering if you're really a true follower, a, a faithful follower, or even listening to God or, or a spiritual follower of Jesus Jesus Christ. And I'm hoping this helps. So I want to dig into, I'm going to read the whole, it's not a long psalm, but let's look at Psalms 13. And let's see how David works through these times of not hearing God's voice. I want you to get the feeling of David in his heart and his rawness as he writes this to the Lord. And David says this, how long, O Lord? How many have ever felt that way? How long, O Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look to me and answer, O Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. My enemy will say, I have overcome him, and my, foes, and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But verse 5, but. I like this. I like when I see but, because then there's a change, right? He goes, but, but they're not going to overcome me. And this is what David says. But this is what I'm going to do. Even though these things are happening, even though my enemy is after me, even though... I don't hear you right now. How long until you answer me? This is what he's going to trust in the times of waiting. Are you ready? Here it is. He's, 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 he's not looking in the clouds. He's not looking for bluebirds. Okay? It's not what he's looking for. This is what he trusts. Because when he trusts this, because this is what God is going to give him. God is going to give him himself in this situation. Not a sign but he's going to give himself. And this is what David's going to trust him. This is so good. This is so good. This is so good. Are you ready? He says, listen, but I'm going to trust in your unfailing love. And my heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord for he has been good to me. God is good. Irregardless of the situation that David was going through, God was still good. And David was even going to sing through that situation. How many of you, you ever came to church and you were down and you were down and you said, I don't want to come to church today. I don't care what Pastor Barn has to say. I'm not in a good mood. I don't feel spiritual. I don't want to look at people and say, hallelujah, praise the Lord. I'm doing fine. God bless you, brother, sister. I don't want any of that stuff. I just don't want to come. Right? You've, you felt that way. Admit it. We felt that way at times, right? And then you come and all of a sudden you leave and you're like, man, I'm glad I came to church today. And you begin to sing and you begin to focus on God and focus on his character. And all of a sudden your countenance begins to change. Why? Because God says, I want to give you myself. Your situation may not change, but I'm going to give you myself in your situation. So what did, what did God do? Well, I believe these six verses can be broken up into three expressions. There are three expressions that, that David gives her. So, so what do I do when I don't feel God in my life? Well, here's what David does. First of all, David calls out the problem. David says this, God, how long? How long? Where are you, God? 
Do you care? Have you forgotten about me? It's okay to be honest with God and to pour your heart out to him. David did. David was honest with God and he shared his heart. David felt abandoned. David felt forsaken. He felt forgotten. These are raw emotions. But this is what has to start in order for us to get back on track again. It's to give our feelings and our emotions to the Lord when we don't feel him. And that's what he did. And then what David does next is incredible. What he does next is, is look at verse 3. He doesn't let his emotions run away with him. He calls out to God for wisdom and health. So he doesn't immerse himself in these emotions. He calls them out because they're raw, they're real, and he's given his feelings to God. But then he, he changes. He doesn't dwell on those things which, which can tend to lead us into depression, into hopelessness. Here's the difference. Catch this. Nine o'clock crowd. Ready? There's a difference between calling out your feelings and then being hopeless. See, David was honest with his feelings. They didn't feel God. He felt abandoned. He felt for a second. How long, God? And we've all gone through those times. But what David does here is he doesn't immerse himself in those feelings because he did not ultimately have a sense of hopelessness in his life that could lead to a whole nother set of circumstances and problems. What he does is he calls out to the Lord in prayer. And so verse 13, he doesn't let his emotions run away with him. David says, oh my Lord, oh my God. Basically in the Hebrew, Jehovah my Elohim. By expressing this, David is saying, listen, God, you are all powerful God that is faithful to keep his covenants, that is faithful to keep his promises. Jehovah my Elohim. David calls out to the Lord in prayer and just says, I'm going to call out to you, Lord, and I'm going to give this to you. And then what David does thirdly is, this is what I love. At the end of the psalm, David's, notice David's situation didn't change. Didn't change. But what did change? Even though he was still in this hard place, he encouraged himself in the Lord. And the way he encouraged himself in the Lord was that he literally leaned on the promises of God at this point. He goes, I may not feel this, but I'm not going to allow my feelings to dictate the character of God. See, what happens is where we get in trouble in our walk with God, and the reason why we go in these roller coaster spiritual highs and spiritual lows is we allow our feelings to dictate the character of God. When I'm going through a bad time, God must not be good. When I'm going through a good time, God is good, right? And so where we need to be careful is to define God's character by my situation. How many know that God doesn't change? He never changes. And so what he does is the way he pulls himself out of this and not allow him to go deeper and deeper into his own feelings. The way he pulls himself out of this is he leans on the promises of God and he begins to encourage himself in the promises of God. And so what God does in the midst of his situation, even though he doesn't answer his prayer right away, even though his circumstances are the same, what God does is he gives him himself. And so David knows this. And so he recalls to himself, he recalls to his own spirit, God, you are good. That you are a faithful God. This is why I love you. He says, listen, I'm going to trust in your unfailing love and my heart rejoices in what? In your salvation. And so he recalls to himself the goodness of the Lord. See, our hope is in the one who overcomes for us. So ultimately, David knew that the Lord would overcome for him. 
that God was there for him. That's why I love John 16, because Jesus' words are so true. Because this is what Jesus says to his disciples. When they're worried and they're, they're frightened and they're not sure about their future, Jesus says, listen, I've told you these things so that in me, in me, I'm going to give you me, and in me, you're going to have what? Are you going to have trouble? No. In me, you're going to have what? This world, you're going to have what? Trouble. But in me, you're going to have peace. I want to give you me so that you can have peace in the time of trouble so that you can know me even in a greater way. Jesus gives us himself. That's the greatest gift you will ever receive in your times of trouble. But what God is waiting for is us to depend on him and to to serve him to say, God, I'm going to push through this thing even though I don't feel it, but I know you're there because your promises are true and I know that you are good. And Jesus even said, in this world you'll have trouble, tribulation, but take heart, I've overcome the world. There's the underlying, underpinning hope that we have that Christ overcame for us. So no matter what we go through, we know that Jesus has overcome for us. Even though we still have those feelings, even though sometimes we do feel like God isn't there, God has never left us. And so what gave David the confidence even during times of uncertainty? What David does at the end of that psalm is that David relied on the goodness of the Lord. At the end of the day, God is always good. He's good. And he's working things for his good in our life. I've seen over and over again where God will take a difficult, horrible situation and turn that thing around for his good so that he receives the glory over and over again. And that's the way you may feel in your life too. Man, "Man, I've made all these bad choices or these things have happened to me in my life and they're just horrible. But God took all those things and redeemed me and changed me that now I'm a testimony of God's grace and redemption. That's what God does. God is Good, And I know sometimes when you're going through a difficult circumstance, it's hard to see the goodness of the Lord. But encourage yourself in the Lord that he never changes. That his love is steadfast. That he's a good God that cares and loves for us. Always. And it never changes. So in verse 6, he says, listen, I'm, I'm going to still sing because God is good. And so what David is doing here, he's, when he's speaking of the goodness of the Lord, he's speaking in the present tense, not in past tense. He didn't say God was good and now he's no good no longer. He's speaking the present tense where he says God is good, not past tense, present tense. God is still good even though I don't feel him, even though I'm like, where are you God? But I know that God is still good. And so David said that your love is unfailing and my heart rejoices in the salvation that you've given me. Now, let me just, I want to close with this and I'm going to close with this story because this story, I I heard it when I was listening to a podcast and it just spoke to my heart about the, the unfailing presence of God in our life. And, and some of you, Moms may may really get this. Some of you moms may relate to to this this story. Um, I'll be honest with you. There's something really powerful about a 
about a praying woman, about a praying mom. How many of you know what I'm talking about? How many of you had that person in your life that was praying for you through all your thick and thin stuff that you went through and not giving up on your kids? I think there's something very powerful about that. I'm going to ask Katie to come up, and then I want to share this story, and then we're going to close in prayer because I, I really want to end this time um, praying for you this morning, those of you that, 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 are, that are struggling today and maybe going through a, a, difficult, a, a difficult time today. Here's what I want you to do. If you're going through this or you've been through that and you're doubting, I want you to remind yourself that regardless of how you feel, Regardless of how you feel, remind yourself that my feelings will always change. But I'm going to resolve in my life that I'm going to trust and wait, and I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give up. And realize that your faith has to be the engine that moves you towards God, not your circumstances, not the signs that you're looking for, allow your faith to be the engine that moves you towards God. Even when you don't sense it, even when you don't see it, even when you feel like you're in the darkest cave and you feel like you can't take another step, God says, take that step. I know I'm there. You just can't see me, but I'm there. That's where our faith becomes so real and so evident. And God becomes so real when you trust him in the darkness of your life. This story, this man on this podcast shared this story about his mom. And this man was brought up in a Christian home. Parents loved him, raised him with wonderful Christian values on how to love Jesus. But this this man fell away from the Lord. He was in college. In fact, he was in graduate school. And he was selling drugs. He was selling drugs, making a lot of money doing this. And um, just his dad gave him a Bible. He threw it out. He just didn't care. He just walked away from what he was raised in. And so he's in, he's in college. He's in graduate school. Two months before he was to graduate from graduate school, uh, they did this FBI sting and he got caught. He got arrested and thrown in federal prison uh, for a lot of years. And this is the story he shares about his parents. He said, I was rude to my parents. I, was, I threw the Bible out. I never wanted to talk about God when I was around. He goes, I just, just was not good to my parents. And he goes, this is what he said about his mom. His mom and he never knew this, but his mom fasted for him for seven years every Monday. One time fasting for 39 days for his salvation. Every day she prayed and didn't give up on her prodigal son. So when he started in prison, she started fasting year after year after year, every Monday fasting, praying. He said one day, he said he was, while he was in prison, he found a Bible on top of the garbage can. And he started to read it. And God spoke to his heart. All the prayers. The foundation that he was raised in came back. 
He said, the words like jumped off the page of me. They became real. Now we can say, well, maybe God had to bring him to that point in his life. Who knows and who cares? But what matters is he put his faith in Christ. And, uh, and so he came back to the Lord and, and God's doing dramatic, wonderful things in his life. But this is what he, this is what I want you to see. What I love about this story is that I believe it's a picture for us of God never giving up on us. And, and I know you may be going through a, a hard and difficult time and you may not feel him, but I feel God at this point in your life. But I just want you to realize that God never gives up on us. The one thing I like about the prodigal son story is that when the one son left and blew all his inheritance on crazy living, when he comes back, his dad sees him. He wasn't surprised. He ran to greet him because he was waiting for him. That's the Savior that we have in Jesus. He's not surprised. He was waiting all along. And so I don't know where you are today. I don't know what you're struggling with here today. But here's the thing that God says to us through his son, Jesus. I never left you. I know it's hard. I know it's dark right now. But trust me. Put your faith in me. And I'll bring you my peace that you're looking for. I know you're hurt. I know you're frustrated. But put your faith in me. Put your faith in my character and who I am. So I want to pray for you. I want you to bow your hearts to me just for a moment. How many of you, just with your, your heads bowed this morning, you would say, Pastor, just pray for me today. How many of you would just be honest today and just say, man, I, 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 I just need the Lord in, in my life and my situation and and, and um, yet maybe, maybe you're just honest by saying maybe you're going through a dark time. Maybe you haven't reached out to Christ. Maybe it's just like, man, Pastor, I just, I just need prayer. And maybe, maybe you're praying for um, a child of yours. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a spouse. And, and you're like, man, I don't want to give up here because I, I do. I feel a little frustrated. Or I, There are times, Pastor, if I'm really honest with you, I've been praying for so long and I just don't see anything. And the Lord would say to you this morning, don't give up. Don't, don't give up. Because I haven't given up on them. So don't give up praying. And so I want you to be encouraged this morning that the Holy Spirit wants to encourage you this morning and to give you his power and his strength when you feel weak. That's the grace, it's the wonderful gift of grace that we receive from Christ when we feel like giving up. So what I want you to do is I want you to stand this morning. We're going to pray. And here's what I want to do. As we close in song this morning, if, if, if you need prayer today, if you need prayer today, as we sing this song, if you want to come up front, we're going to have people up here that are going to just meet you I want to pray for you. So why don't you stand, and I want to pray for you. And if you need prayer today, we're going to be here. We want to pray for you. We don't want you to go from this place without allowing the Lord just to meet your need and to help you in this place today. So let me pray for you. Lord, we, 
we come before you today. We thank you that you are a faithful God today. We thank you, Lord, that you never leave us or forsake us. And I pray for every heart here today that, that, Lord, they just feel like they're in a dark place or they've been praying for somebody for years and they just don't see any difference. And God, I pray that you would encourage us through your Holy Spirit today. So as we just come before you today, we're just relying on you. And God, we just pray that you would just give us a fresh filling of your Holy Spirit. Give us a new filling, of, a freshness of your grace today so that we can be encouraged to continue on, that we're not going to give up, that we're not going to spiral into hopelessness because we know Christ has overcame for us. And so I pray that you would just encourage every heart here today. Thank you, Jesus, that you've done everything for us that we could never do for ourselves. And so we're relying on you, God, even in the midst of a difficult situation, we're relying on you and knowing that you are good and we're still going to praise you and we're still going to worship you. So God, touch every heart here today. Encourage us through your Holy Spirit, we pray. In Jesus' wonderful name. In Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. 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 God bless you. If you need prayer, come. We'll pray with you. God bless you.